Yeah! Oh, yeah! Ira, it's been a minute since you've heard that music. <laughs> I can actually hear it this time. I was, like, faking it before. Yeah. yeah. Which I've been known to do. Yeah! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Antiway. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the movies that expose the dirty little secrets of Hollywood. I like that because the movie we're discussing this week is... Bad, Bad Education. Education. And... Oops. <laughs> Do you like the title? Well, we'll get to that. No. I'm not in love with the title. No. It's, I'm not in love with the title. It doesn't fit. It doesn't as, fit. As much. They could have done a better job of that. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll but our top five, this, top week five this week is Hugh Jackman movies. What'd you say? I actually remember. You called me what? Uh, I called you uh, Hugh Jackman? Hugh. What are you doing? What if, with a name like uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. How, how did he not go his entire life with being like, oh, Hugh going to jack oh, like me Hugh, off? Hugh? Yeah. Yeah. He had to have been teased mercilessly all through his grade school years. Hugh Jack, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, show's over. Five, We're done. Yeah, all right. Until next time. Um, what about, oh, I know what we can do. Yeah. Let's talk about the, uh, the our listeners' uh, email, our top five from last week. Okay, let's do yes. that. And you know what they were? They were Fred Willard movies, mm-hmm. and we got a lot of good ones, including, you know, there were only so many. I like one person sent us an email and said, so in other words, you're going to only do Christopher Guest mockumentaries, right? And he was largely right, although you, my friend, made a concerted effort to avoid those. Did I? I can't even remember if I put This is Spinal Tap on there. I don't remember either, but I, the I most I of yours were not yeah. the mockumentaries. You had a different route. Yeah. So I, I admired that. And obviously, we got a lot of the same feedback with the Christopher Guest films and so on. And whether it be Waiting for Gotham, Best in Show, um, uh, someone else wrote Spinal Tap. Here's this one listener. And every week he writes to us and he goes out of his way. He makes a concerted effort to try to include films that you and I didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And he had some success. He did mention Silver Streak. I like what he said here. And mo- we talked about this, that the train is only in like the last few last, minutes of that movie. Right, right. Yeah. right. And he actually responded to that point. He listens and he, he said the movie is named after the train it happens on. Right. Yeah, I know that. I, we I, weren't sure. Like, why is it called Silver Street? No, I knew that. I knew it was named after the but train. But the movie, the train is not in. But it has, it's it's an awful title. It is it's an awful not, title. It's, it's not germane bad, to bad anything education. that's going on in agreed, the story. Agreed. Agreed. And the train only comes in in like the last. 12 minutes. Yeah, the last few minutes yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, Anchorman 2, he said the first one he didn't enjoy, but he laughed his ass off on the sequel. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned Chicken Little, didn't you? I think you mentioned that, did you? So. I don't think I, I mentioned it. I like Chicken Little. Uh, yeah, Youth and Revolt. I'm not familiar with this. Are mm-hmm. you? Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah trying to get uh, laid in a trailer park. That's all you need to know. And he did go with This is Spinal Tap. He said the movie that was started them all, and it's still the mark to aim for. Mm-hmm. So that's the feedback we got. And there's one other piece of feedback, my Now, friend. wait a minute. Are you no. going to do this here, or are you going to do this in the news? Well, that's a good question, and you know me. I know what and you're I, about to I talk stayed about. Up, you do know, and I stayed up obsessing on this because I was 50-50, but at your... The way you ask the question suggests you belong to the next segment. You want to go to the next which segment? Actually, <laughs> which actually is right now. Hey, Robert. Uh-huh. I have a new one. Do you consider me your muse? <laughs> come on. Come on. That's pretty good. <laughs> Only if you give me the news. Ah, and it's time for... I like that a lot more. See, this is a more that one actually. It's, you're almost going somewhere with muse almost, it almost and makes news. Do you like that more than saying, you don't like Jews? <laughs> How about the Jews, the, the muse. muse Jews who knows the news? I like that. Ira Heffler. Yeah. 
it's the 4th of July. You better light that fuse. <laughs> See, that was nonsensical. Right. There it, I go again. It, goes, it didn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. As long as it rhymes. <laughs> right. Rhyme above all else. Okay, yeah, what's yeah. in the news? Hey, I just want to say a few things. Um, with uh, By the way, it's true that... Um, uh, what's the Eddie Haskell who passed away last week and he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That is, that's not a lie. Um, Ken, Ken Osmond, he was a cop for LA city. Yes. He oh, really? Was, Cause I was not hundred percent sure when I mentioned that last week. So, you know, me, I make a mental note. I check into it. Oh, many years he was on the force and they razzed him. You can imagine the yeah. razzing he got, including he was a traffic cop. He pulled people over for speeding and got a lot of, um, surreal. Tease. It is surreal. It's really surreal. Yeah, my Mrs. Cleaver, that's a lovely dress you're wearing today. I mean, it's just weird. But he was a cop for many, many years. You know, I also want to say kudos to AMC. They had no choice, but you and I belong to AMC Stubbs. Mm -hmm. And with all that's going on, sure enough that I checked my credit card statement and we're not billed, obviously, and they they had the wherewithal to yank. They'd have to. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if they still try to charge with all that? They couldn't do that. No. They absolutely couldn't do that. The last point. Well, be, people just cancel the service and yeah, then have a sour right. taste. That's right. And then they'd open it up afterwards. Right. right, right. I also want to mention that when I mentioned about Jerry Stiller and taking a Pelham. Well, hold on. Let's go back. Let's talk about AMC for a minute. Do you think. Yeah. Like, what's going to be. How are they going to come back from this? How much rent do they have to pay mm-hmm. to rent? That's They don't own the land. They pay rent to the mall. Right. They pay. Can you imagine. How much is it a month to rent a huge chunk of a mall? Huge chunk of a mall. Oh, it's, I mean, it can be like a third of a mall. That's kind of the whole and thing so, is they need real estate, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know those numbers. And Maybe when better, this opens back up, yes, it's not going to be people sitting people next to be, each other. No, no, that's right. They're going to have to be like, you know, only about 15 or 20 or 20. Maybe like a third of their normal capacity. You'll have to have two or three blank seats in between. Right. And also, I think people are going to be afraid to go back to the I think the so. Theater. I think to a, so, to a limited extent. Even yeah. when the city... The city I won't, country, by the way. I'll be there like... open. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, this does not scare me. I know that. I know that. And I admire you for that. Yeah, but that's also why you're keeping a pretty far distance. <laughs> I don't feel good. Um, but your point is... I, I know where you're going with this, obviously. That when all is said and done, are they going to survive this? I wonder how much they pay for rent for that major chuck of land, a property. It's astro- and, and it's months, it's not just it's one; it's everywhere, yeah, right? Know, I mean, yeah. it's I mean, practically every mall has a movie theater. Every major mall has a movie theater. Regal, AMC, Cinemark, all of these different these theaters. I'm I'm worried about them, and if they fold, there will be something that comes back in its place, right? These are. It's almost like they're the, the companies that just have to bear the brunt of all of this. And if they wind up collapsing, someone will swoop in and, and take over and revitalize the theater-going experience. Th- that, that's, I don't think it's here to die. Do you? I don't think it's here to die, but you're saying AMC might Right. Die. AMC might But suffer. the notion of having theaters and people going will live on. Right. Right. I agree. I've got to tell you, Robert, my, my I don't think I mentioned my favorite restaurant that I go to a lot for breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, the owner took me aside and said they're shutting down permanently. Permanently. And she had tears in her eyes. And I got to know her throughout the years. Uh-huh. And she said, even when we open up, she said, we're going to have to take people's temperatures before they come in. We can only have 11 people in here at a time. She said, we can't do that. We can't survive. She owns two of those restaurants. She said they're both shutting down permanently. And then she pulled me into her and she whispered in my ear, fuck the governor. That's what she said. 
And she said she understood this initially for the first two or three weeks. She said she, she got it. She, she got that. But she said now with all that's going on and she's, she's, she's livid, she's angry. And uh, the cook was there, the bus boy, they're all going to be unemployed. What I mean, it's it, crazy. It, it is crazy. Do you think it's true? Do you think they actually will close down permanently, or do you think that they'll? I don't think she'd have any reason to not tell me the the truth. I think they will close permanently. She said they've been losing so much money, and she said even when they get the green light, they can open up. It's going to be on such a limited basis, so limited. And she said it's nonsense. And they, whether they have to put up sneeze guards in between the tables, mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy. And I am reaching the the teetering point. I'm do, this is I haven't talked to you about this where I'm I'm at the point Robert where we need to open up at the sacrifice of some lives. Hmm. I do feel that way. And again, this is a damning statistic that more than 90% of the people who die from this, not who get it, but who die from this are elderly, frail and have upper respiratory issues. Well, it, I mean it always the, the kind of go-to stock arguments in in favor of opening back up are People aren't going to the doctor to get health checkups for other things, right? So people are not getting screened for cancer and you know heart problems, so they're dying from those. That's right. Because they're afraid to go to the doctor. That's right. I mean, and not to mention that you're pushing all of these people into poverty. You're talking about this busboy and the cook That's who are right. now out of work. That's right. And poverty is closely associated with health problems. So you're pushing more people into That's right. That's the right. area that is prone to to being hurt by this right by, by this virus in the first place right which brings up a huge pet peeve of mine i hate the media's slogan we're all in this together oh why i think that's highly offensive i think it's arrogant i think it's elitist hmm. i think it's elitist we're not all in this together the wealthy people living in their bel-air mansion they're doing fine because they're having the other people bring them their food mm. and they're in harm's way being outside and driving cars. So we're not quote all in this together. I, that is always, we're all in this together. Now bring me my stuff. Yeah. 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 Can you, can you appreciate that? I can't. It's, it's, it's a little bit smarmy. It's it... the, the problem that we've had is that we have, we have crossed a boundary into like, I mean, total anarchy. It's like the edge of anarchy, and we have put our foot over that line, but then we pulled it back, and we're trying to now hang on to the civilization that we had beforehand, and we went too far. And I think now there's going to be major economic repercussions if we are trying to return to society as it was pre-coronavirus. And trying to like to bridge that gap is just... Well, how do you feel about the protesters and the people protesting flocking to the beach do you applaud them i applaud them in the sense that i feel like they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want to do i mean i don't like the idea that the government can tell you that you have to shut down your restaurant for something that is not your fault i mean if if you are serving tainted meat right to people and it's getting them sick yeah you deserve to be shut down right there there has to be some sort of governmental oversight we can't just have total chaos but in this instance, through no fault of the restaurant, they were forced to shut down. And I feel like the restaurant should remain open if the owners want to remain open. And if you want to take a calculated risk, you're not dumb. Let you the understand. responsibility fall on the people. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we'll go out and right. 
we'll take this risk and we'll go to the restaurant. Right. <clears throat> and the restaurant may have you sign a form that says, if you contract coronavirus, you cannot come back and sue us for this. You have to understand what you were getting into when you come in here. Yeah, sure. I'll sign your little document, whatever. Let me just eat my burger and go on about my way. Right. It's a nanny state. I mean, it really is it getting is a to nanny that point. State. Of course, we understand intellectually the argument that by, by doing this isolation, that it's not overcrowding the hospitals, that they're... It's working. It is working. Sure. Yeah. It's not overcrowded hospitals. And number two, hoping that if enough months go by that they'll have the, the cure, the antidote. Well, but here's the other problem. Like the, the hospital overcrowding, I don't believe that – I just don't believe in everybody – I don't believe in healthcare is, is a, a right. I think it's a privilege. I think it's something that you should have to work for I to agree. get. I agree with that statement. I think everybody just cautious. assumes, oh, you should get free health care or you should get yeah. like guaranteed health, emergency health care. No. I mean, if you took risks in, in life, you should have to pay That's more for That's a wonderful that. philosophical question. Is it the government's responsibility to see to it that all of its peoples are healthy? No. I agree. No. I agree. Healthy? No. Protected? Yes. Mm -hmm. I would say the mm -hmm. government's responsibility is to protect us from outside invasions or you know like from other countries or you know people from breaking into your house if they, we should have a police force but that's limited gov watchdog government and everything else beyond that it's it, it and here's the problem is that so many of the politicians claim safety as their their the, the flag that they wave you know that they fly under and they're saying we're doing this for your safety right. and that's really hard to fight against it's really hard to say that's not my safety. I mean, that's how liberties are taken away from people. It's in these moments where they're giving up. I'll give up these liberties for safety, for safety. And next thing you know, you've given up too much. You know, you said this to me weeks ago, and I've often brought this up with other people and gave you full credit about, let's just say that. <laughs> or, or full blame. For, for, for a change, I gave you credit off and I own it to myself. But that, let's just say that there was a, a federal law that no car on any street or freeway could go more than five miles an hour. We would save tens of thousands of lives a year. There'd be no traffic fatalities. Like I said once before, I think there'd be some minor minor bumper you know sure. there's some fender benders there'd be a fender bender every now and then but nobody would die yet we're willing to sacrifice thousands of lives a year to keep the efficiency of the society running right isn't that an interesting point yeah that's why i made it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it would save thousands of lives but to get from here into century city would take seven and a half hours instead of 23 minutes and it would interfere yeah, with we could all walk Right, we could all everybody walk. walks we could all walk. from now on. Right, but we're, it's too late for that. The way we built this machine, right. this metaphoric machine, we can't do that now, and it would fuck up our. So we sacrifice thousands of lives. I don't wonder how many. We have to Google that. How many people die in a traffic fatality every year? I'd be really curious. I want to say it's like forty thousand a year. I was going to say it's thirty or forty, but yeah. yeah, whatever. It's thousands and thousands. We're sacrificing those lives for the sake of society's efficiency. Yeah. 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 So take that and apply that to what's going on now. Yeah. 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 I, guidelines are fine. Yeah. I don't mind the government saying. No, you'd like the government to advise. Yes. Consent. Say we urge, urge, yes. recommend. Yes. But when you start passing down decrees saying you have to. Okay. Uh, here. It's a point of pride of mine. I have not put on a mask yet. And I, I refuse to. And have people let you into the banks? Um, so I went to the bank and they would not let me in. Uh, I did go in and then I, they... I got halfway to the teller, and they said, sir, sir. And they kind of did that thing. And they're like, you're going to have to put a mask on. I said, I'm not wearing a mask. They said, then you can't be in here. I said, 
okay, then I'll go outside. And they said, we'll bring it out to you. So they brought the teller out to me, and I handed them stuff. And they Ooh, a pain in the ass you yeah. are. Well, yeah, yeah. me? Uh, no, uh, you're right. No, you're right. them. You're not the pain in the ass. They're the pain in the I ass. I know. I was being facetious. And, uh, I, and I'm glad they had to go out of their way to serve me because fuck them. And it's really not even them. It's the government that's putting this this decree down. But I, I did it the other day. I went, I went in to get some food at a restaurant, and they said, sir, you can't be in here. I'd already prepaid for the food. And I said, I'm just here to pick up the food. No, actually, I hadn't prepaid. No, that's what it was. I went in, and um, my wife had ordered it and was there to pick it up. And she said, you can't be in here without a mask. I said, I don't have one. And they said, well, you can't be in here. I said, all right, well, I, I already pre-ordered the food. I'll pay for it and leave, or I'm not coming back in. And they were like, ah, just, just pay here. And they just gave me a little credit card thing, and I paid for it, and I took the food, and I was gone. Did you sneeze on her? No, I didn't fucking. Do, I, I should have sneezed on her. I should have. I should have just spat in her face. <laughs> no, and it's not her fault either. It's the absolutely. It's, the, it's not her fault. The company that's yeah. trying to not get in trouble with the government because right. everybody's so fucking scared what the government's doing. Yeah, yeah. And the government is scared about news. It's like all, all this news fear mongering. Everybody's all worked up, and, and government is just scared about re-election and being on the bad side of history. And no one wants right. to take right. the stand of like. Go out there and fucking enjoy the beach. Go run in your neighborhood. Right, right. I belong on the, I'm on the Sweatside Neighborhood Watch website. Yeah. And they're like ratting on each other, saying, yeah. uh, on Witsit at Coldwater Canyon, uh, somebody was walking her dog and she wasn't wearing a mask. It's like, point, you know, it's McCarthy era yes, all over again. It totally is. This is like the McCarthy era. So dumb. It's, and this is a scary me. mob mentality. Yes. Let people do what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. But advise. The government can advise, sure. suggest, and urge and recommend. Right? Here's the problem, too. Let me just say this last yeah. thing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the government does do this kind of thing, when there are other emergencies, you start to water down the response that people have, like the, the ability for people to listen to decrees that are passed down. And this might have been worth it. I mean, we arguably did save tens if not hundreds of thousands of lives so it might have been worth it for this one but i think the the consensus is now okay time's up like we gave you a couple months here right and that's a lot of time for us to all and jobs and everything else like there's a huge huge inconvenience for possibly thousands of lives we've done our part now let us go and they're not doing it Hmm. and if you don't let the people do it one they'll take it Anyway, like the people are not going to stay off the beaches. They're not going to stay out of the parks. They're going to start doing it anyway. And what are you going to do? You're going to start arresting people for doing this? You're, you're going to put them into a, a prison where there, there's more coronavirus right. spreading it around right. there? Right. And in addition to that, the next time you pass some sort of decree, people aren't going to listen to it because they're going to go, this is just like the coronavirus shit. And let's just move on and, and, and fuck that. I'm not going to listen to them. Do you know what I mean? It's like the boy who cried wolf. Yes. It's just like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And they won't believe you when it really is real. And they no, it's yeah. not just like that. It is that. It is that. No, it is that. I mean, literally, there's a yep. wolf. I don't know. There's a wolf outside your door. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, my God. It literally is. Okay, until next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. This. Yeah, yeah. They're overreaching. Agreed. Man, we sound like a couple of. A couple of what? <laughs> Old white guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. no. G- g- do what you want on your Actually, lawn. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the the parks and the beaches, those are everyone's lawn. You should be do- able to do whatever you want out there. But behave reasonably. Like you don't could do whatever you want. 
just clean up your shit when you're done. You want to walk your dog? Go walk your dog and then clean up the poop when it's done. It's that kind of just use some common sense. There's some communal space that we all share. And the government's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. I have already said what I want to say. Yeah. So the owner of the restaurant whispered that in my ear. Fuck the governor. Maybe she just really thought Gavin Newsom was hot. Oh, maybe she's she like, to sexually, fuck yeah. the governor. His wife is hot. Have you seen pictures of her? I, I, she she's, looks like a, a plastic. I mean, he looks yeah. plastic. Well, they both yell. Is he a good speaker? No. There is an interview. It, it, Have yeah. you ever heard the interview that Adam Carolla did with him? No. Oh, no, man, no, it's no, fascinating. No. This is obviously before he was governor. It was when he was lieutenant governor. And Adam Carolla, who was put on academic probation at a community college. Was he? Yeah, never graduated. I didn't know that. Annihilates him in this interview. It's It gets really almost uncomfortable to listen to because you're like, oh, my gosh, what are you saying? And just the governor starts... Uh, the, the lieutenant governor at the time, but he's he starts in on this line of of logical reasoning that doesn't make it's kind of faulty to begin with, and Corolla starts kind of pulling on him, going, "Well, why is that? Why do you feel that way?" And and next thing you know, he's just arguing against Corolla, just to argue, and he's saying asinine stuff, stuff that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. There's one point in the interview where he says, "Like I like to work um, small to big." And the Curl's whole point is like, don't you want to work on the big problems first and then focus on the tiny problems? He goes, no, I like to start small to big. And Curl's like, what What, are you saying? What does that mean? You're going to focus on like micro. He's micro. Micro problems before you focus on the bigger problems. What? What? Yeah. His pyramid is upside down. You should be doing the macro for a course. But he does. I don't even think he means that. I don't think he meant that either. But he because that's so obtuse. Yeah. But that's way. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a wax doll. Yeah. He's just, yeah. You know. He is, to me, the embodiment of the stereotypical politician who's like slick back, smiling all the time, trying to get reelected, super slimy. And I mean, we've had a string of those, but yeah. he is is the embodiment of that. He wears nice suits. Yeah, no, yeah, sure, and I'm that's sure the does. problem. Yeah. Yes, I've noticed his suits. Yep. And then there's always like one or two politicians that get close to it being like, I'm actually a decent, nice person and I could I could do this job pretty well. Ah, oh, fuck it. You want the slime ball. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he does have a hot wife. Okay. Anyway. All right. Wasn't okay. this a show about, about uh, film? Uh, oh, that? Okay. Nah, let's just talk. Um, also, I just want to mention that I was 92% certain, but sure enough, uh, the great Jerry Stellar was in the original Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Okay. Remember, you didn't, and I went back, and yes, that would be a nice movie to revisit, wouldn't it? Hey, one more thing. Okay, here why we don't go. You, why don't you launch into this? We got. I, I got a joke for you. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay, do tell. What time do you go to the dentist? No, that's that one. Asian 30. Wait, that didn't make any sense. I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> Notice I emphasize the word trying. If the joke were... Now, I misspoke a little bit last week. Okay. Because I didn't do the beginning properly. But then well, when I, I set, set it, it up, up with... I set the joke What up. did the Chinaman... What time did the Chinaman... What time was the Chinaman supposed to go to the dentist? 2.30. Take it that way, which was not... So, so I erred. That is I a, erred. Okay. By that not, is a racist joke. Agreed. But if you take out the beginning about the Chinaman... And you just say, what just, time do you go to the dentist? A, ah, pun. It's a pun. It's well, a pun. That's what word. I was saying I know, last week. I know. And then, but I then I rethought that why was this? Oh, because I didn't set it up right. What time the Chinaman? Now with that joke, that's racist. But correct? see, what couldn't you say like what time? What time does a kid who just lost his teeth go to the? It's a different joke. Two thirty. 
hey, he can't say 230. That's because cute in a different way. Right. But that's you, not yeah, racist. I agree. But if you set up with Chinaman, it is. Your premise last week was that that was a racist joke, the way I told okay, it. Okay, but let's go back to that wonderful music video parody, uh, Fat, right? Yeah. And what's that line with more chins than in Chinatown? Yeah. <laughs> now, come on. Come on. Okay. Come on. On that one, you have to agree, yeah, there's a target. It has to have it. And on that one, my yeah. friend, yes. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, also I, people who are fat, too. I don't I, think no, that No, it's would definitely attacking the fat people. But it's also racist. Ch- and I laughed, and you laughed. Uh, Every time I, I mentioned that joke, you crack up. I can't say that it's not racist. It's got some racist And I can't say it's it. not hilarious. It's well, very I'm, funny. We're taking the humor out. I know. The discussion oh. is whether it's racist or yes, not. Yes, it is. And I think it is, ultimately, because you're saying, like, all Chinese people have this similarity. And I, I think that definitely is, it is racist. But I think the target is more of the fat people. It's point is, the 230 joke is not racist. <laughs> Thanks to our listener for writing in, and uh, he sort of defended me, but I'm guilty that I didn't frame the joke properly. All right, okay. <sighs> yeah. You want to do some weekend review? Weekend review, and hey, Robert. Yeah? Is someone sponsoring this? Sure thing. Do AVgearguy.com. Tell. tell us about him. AVgearguy.com has over 30 years of experience in yeah. the business of transferring all of your, uh, your non-digital media into... Right digital media right so this is uh slides negatives um uh, you know he Video i took a film. bunch of my i don't i don't think i told you this More? i just gave him a huge batch of um high eight videotapes and he's gonna convert all those and some mini dv tapes as well when did you do this recently I didn't know yeah that. like just just like two or three days ago wow that's great big new batch now did you mention anti-wave <laughs> podcast i did did you get a five percent discount i did i got five percent good good isn't that awesome yeah it is yeah. Yeah. he's like yes sir right. that goes for all of our listeners yeah, too absolutely if they do. he does everything again whether it's film uh videotape uh, eight millimeter, sixteen millimeter, super eight, all that stuff, and he does a great job with it. As everybody knows, I've had a fourteen thousand slide scan, which I finished organizing, and I like that he's very detailed oriented. Uh, mention our name, you'll get a five percent discount. Like him on Facebook, he runs a special every now and then. He's a great guy. Avgearguy.com. Okay, we can review. I'm going to go first. I have a few things I want to talk to you about. This is going to be good. I actually saw a bunch of movies this week. Did I've, you really? Yeah, because I've been... You had you breathed. Yeah. You were overwhelmed the last yeah, two or three past, weeks. Past, no, longer than that. It's been like about a month and a half. I haven't watched very much stuff. So my wife and I, we did, we did some movie marathoning this week. So I, I caught up. And there's a few things that I want to talk about. Now, almost all the movies that I, that I saw this week, I'd seen before. And a few of them I just hadn't seen in a long time. So I wanted to go back and, and check out. Some of these movies hold up. Some of them don't. And one of them in particular I want to talk about because I only saw it once in the theater. I didn't like it. And I went back to rewatch it. And I want to talk about whether I liked it or not now and why. First of all, let me just tell you a few movies that I watched. And I was like, yep, this movie is just as good as what I thought when I first saw it. Runaway Train. Remember that? John Voight, Eric Roberts. I fucking love that movie. It's good, man. I fucking love that now, movie. Now, I loved it. I gave it, when what I a... first saw it, like a five star. No. It's a four it's, star. It's, it's, oh, it, oh. It was, no, out of five. Oh, I thought out of ten. No. No, it's no, out no, of five stars. Yeah, out of five stars. So first you get it five, then it went to a four? There were a few parts that I was like, this isn't quite as good as I remember, but man, this is a kick-ass Raw, movie. Raw, gutsy. It's a cinema, everything about that movie. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what else is a really, really awesome film? And I'd seen it before and loved it. Saw it again. Hadn't seen it in about 10 years. I guess like nine years. And I loved it even more. I almost cried the second time around. Warrior. Have you seen Warrior? Warrior. 
Warrior. No, that's Warriors. I, I get that mixed up. Yeah. Warrior is a. It's about these two brothers, uh, Joel Egerton and Tom Hardy, and their father is Nick Nolte, and they are both MMA fighters, and they they are doing this big tournament in Atlantic City. And it's kind of like some of the best MMA fighters in the world. And they're both doing it. And they have this like family drama going on in the background. And man, oh man, are this, everybody in that movie is acting their ass off. And there's some scenes with Nick Nolte where you're like, this is some of Nick Nolte's best stuff ever. Wow. It's really, really good. Yeah, Joel Egerton, he's he's somewhat underappreciated. I, I think. think so too. As a yeah. director... Didn't he did? Um, yeah, he did do, direct some stuff too. Yes, he I always did. think of him as an actor first. But no, yeah, yeah he directed a of f- really nice movies. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. I also saw Breakdown. Did you ever see this? No. Kurt Break Russell, JT oh, Walsh's the... last movie. This is where the car he and breaks his... down yeah. on the road. Yeah, and then the wife goes missing, and man, that movie's good. Holds up really, really well. Does it? Yeah. And I was saying too, like, it's one of these movies. It's a very simple premise, and Everybody in the movie acts logically. There is no one in the movie, and it's a very surreal kind of thing to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like you kidnapped wife, and he's trying to recover her. And those screenplays tend to go a little sideways on that. They tend to be, do you know what I'm saying? Like they tend to be melodramatic. Sure. This one isn't. This one is totally, this is what would happen every step of the way. And it's an unusual scenario, but it's like, yeah, I believe it. I buy it. Um, check out Breakdown if you haven't seen it. It's streaming on Amazon So all Prime. these movies have held up really well, what you're saying. Let me give you one that hasn't. Ah, notice I set you up. To, I had a feeling that was the next one. Commando. When I saw Commando when I was a kid, this is 1985. It's going to fall in the of The Rock, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, it's got Schwarzenegger in it, so you kind of already know what movie this is going to be. This is one where his uh, daughter, Alyssa Milano, gets kidnapped by our, um, our guest, Vern. Vern, Vernon Wells that's is right, in the movie. He's the bad right. guy. He's the heavy. And um, and he's good. He's like one of the few good parts of this movie. But he kidnaps the daughter. And, and also Dan Hyeda is in this movie. It's kind of weird, but it, uh, the, all the, the people that are in this, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of like major, major problems with the movie. But it's a Schwarzenegger action movie, so what do you expect? Yeah. I also saw An Officer and a Gentleman which I had not seen in a long time, holds up really Does well. Does it really? Yeah, it's a great movie. Holds up really, really well. Did you get emotional for the big swell scene where he picks her up and you up where we belong? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I got teared up when he says, I've got no else place to go. You can come stay with me. <laughs> uh, I saw uh, Robocop, a great movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's always awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Robocop, Robert, we've talked, yeah. Now, here's the, the movie I want to talk about. The last eight seconds of RoboCop. Just the way it goes to the, the end credit. RoboCop. And the letters were too large. Mm-hmm. It's in your face. It's in your face. There's some really oh, good yeah. part. The last line, like you know, the whole time You're they fired? keep fired. No, that's not the last line. The last line of the movie. Murphy. That, oh, his name. What's yes. your name, son? Murphy. Murphy. Wow. I, I know. know. And seriously. Great music. That music, that theme gives me shivers. And the way, again, the word RoboCop is too large and silver on black. It's like, like, it's fucking awesome. You're so right. Yes, yes. This movie holds up yes. really, really yeah. well. Yeah. Even though it's dated as all fuck, it's still, it's like a type of of future that I buy. Yeah. Was it Nancy Allen? Yeah. She, 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 yeah. yeah. Good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All okay, right. Good. Here's the movie I want to talk about. Minority Report. 
I want to hear. This is one of the few movies we've disagreed on. Yes. Uh, you did not like it. I did quite a lot. I'm curious to hear if you did a 180 on okay, it or so if you I liked re- it less. I rewatched it. Now, to be fair, one of the reasons why I rewatched it was because you've spoken so highly about it over the years. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched it. Uh-oh. Now I want to ask you, what do you think? I thought it was a really good, well made So what do you think I would say? Do you think I would agree well, with that? Well, I'm trying to read your body language too, but you're mm-hmm. not. But you're cloaking yourself. You're I'm masking to, that. Yeah. You are. You're doing a good job of that. Um, I'm hoping you're going to say, you know what, Ira? I'm doing a 180 on it. I fucking love that movie. But my fear is going to say you're going to stick with your original premise that it was quite disappointing. Well, or is it somewhere in the middle? You know what, Ira? Is it, what? What? The yeah. movie was worse than I thought. That movie is a fucking mess. Go back and watch it. I'm telling you, there it doesn't know what movie it's trying to be. There's comedy in this movie that has no place being in the movie. <laughs> it's this. There's a joke that they play about. I'm not kidding, probably about seven or eight times. No exaggeration, which is that Tom Cruise falls into somebody's apartment or loft and they're doing something quirky and weird. And then he shows up and they give him this like hammy, like, what are you doing here? (laughs) The scene where he like he topples into a yoga studio and he's all like bent like a pretzel. And so is everybody else. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not this movie. That's a complete. That's a comedy. Get that out of here. That belongs in a Jim Carrey movie. That's not this movie. It it tonally makes n- no sense. But what what about the basic storyline of the precogs? Pre- predicting I'm not crime. confusing it's- the Philip K. Dick short story. Let's not confuse the two. My criticism is on the movie. That was very good. And yeah. it's not the premise. But it was Spielberg. Yeah. That's my point. That's my point. And I think this is right in that era where he was just phoning in movies like, it's fine, just do it like this. Everybody will eat what I say because I'm Spielberg. He was like believing in his own myth, mythology. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So when's the last time you've seen Minority I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater when it first came out in IMAX. Don't you own it? Yeah. No. Oh, I thought you did own it. Mm-mm. No. Okay. I'd be real curious to see it again. I'd be real curious to see it again. Watch it again. Yeah. That's now your homework. Okay. Go okay. back and watch it. Didn't you like the way the Lexus went up and down vertically on the buildings? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. I Even know. the I know. graphics were not all that good. They really weren't. Now, really? The way newspapers in 3D as you walk through it, the mall? It's and so, report. it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all these, okay, there's a scene. It's so st- stupid. This, there's a scene. First of all, okay. Tom Cruise has his eyeballs taken out and put yeah. has new eyeballs put in. Right, right. right. So and then all the these scanner. little spiders are yes. coming through the yes. apartment building trying yeah. to find him. So yes. he hides himself yeah. in the bathtub. Yeah. Okay, cool. He hides himself and it's completely unsuccessful. And in, in, in actuality, they like he can't stay under long enough because he makes like a bubble comes up and That's they hear right. the bubble. That's right. And so they come back in and they pull back the bandage and scan his eyeball and it's somebody else. They realize, oh, it's it's not Tom Cruise. Okay, and then they leave. They leave him alone. So why the fuck did you get in the bathtub in the first place? And the whole point, the reason why he didn't get in the bathtub in the first place was because he had this bandage on that he was supposed to keep on for like 12 hours. And if he pulled it off, he would go blind. But he doesn't go blind. So like, the movie's lying to us. It's creating this false tension that doesn't pay off. And then... It, like, scans his eyeball, but he doesn't go blind. Then he takes his old eyeball, goes back to his... to the, he has in a bag. He has in the bag. And then when he gets to... He just 
kind of walks into this yeah, place nonchalantly uh, which is total him. bullshit i can't believe that no one would recognize this guy but let's assume that they're all just looking at the readouts he gets to the machine that scans his eyeball pulls his old eyeballs out of the bag and holds them up and then drops them and they roll down <gasps> the corridor scene. what the and listen to the music cues it's like it's like this is the wrong movie yeah, you are yeah. setting the wrong tone I need to see it again. You do? I need to see I have not seen it since it came out. This movie is not good. It, I, I didn't like it. I yeah, went back I, and watched it again, and I, I fucking hated this yeah, movie. It yeah. was really awful. Okay. All right. I'll watch it's it It's a again. hot mess. I don't even... I don't... People just love Tom Cruise. Yeah. And there's it was some of Tom Cruise's worst stuff. And I, I was saying this too. I was saying to Joanna, I've kind of turned the corner on Tom Cruise lately because I really... I, I always kind of liked him, but I like him more now. I feel like some of the choices he's been making lately well, are pretty Well, there's something you said months ago on a podcast. You said one thing about Tom Cruise, when he commits to a role, he commits. Yeah, I agree. And you can still say that. I agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> you agree with yourself that he really is all in. Yeah. 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 So I remember that. But okay, I'll see it again. All right, go I ahead. wonder if I'll have the same I've been talking reaction. too much. Go ahead. I on. love it. A few movies I saw this week. Some are old, some are new. Okay. Um, <laughs> Wild Honey. Whoa. Yeah, now this is about a fat um, sex phone operator, a phone sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was actually an independent film, but it was shown at quite a few festivals. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a nice little independent. But the one I really liked. What, oh, hold what, on. What? You're moving on to another film? Yeah, I am. On this one. Yes. Have you seen For a Good Time Call? No. You Same would premise? really like this Same movie. Same premise? Yeah, go watch it. You would love this movie. Ira, watch for a good time call. Do you like Justin Long? Do you know Justin Long? Who? Yeah. You'll, you'll like this movie. It's about a... It's a comedy. It's kind of a rom-com. Yeah. But it's a... You're going to love the ending. The ending's great. It's about this these two girls. Um, and one is like stuck up and like Miss Pris. And the other's like super like flirty and easygoing or whatever and they wind up having they they have this history together where they don't like each other they hate each other but they they're kind of forced to move in together and one of them is a telephone sex phone operator and the the miss pris kind of learns about it and is like oh oh dear and then she kind of helps her grow her business and she kind of gets kind yes, of looped in and the whole yeah. thing i think you would love this okay film. Okay. You just said, was it Honey? I've not heard of this one. Yeah, it's called Wild Honey. Wild Honey? Yeah, well, the yeah. title really appealed to me, so I thought of it. Um, it got pleasant reviews. Okay. It was a little indie film for a while. Uh, but the next one really sparked my interest. It's called Daddy Issues. <laughs> I couldn't wait to say that to you. Uh, it's all about a 19-year-old a queer pixie girl uh-huh. and with the purple pink hair and all that stuff and the miniskirts and and she's got a daddy she has a sugar daddy but she's gay and it was a good movie and it certainly did its job let's move on there's an odd quirky film and i wonder if you're familiar with this called miss meadows justice is sweet mm. katie holmes <laughs> katie holmes did this movie in 2014 not all that long ago and she played the part of a prissy sweet too sweet elementary school teacher hmm. who was always humming songs and she was like a ballerina and she'd skip down the street and she killed people out of vengeance so you got the juxtaposition of the two parts to her it was a weird weird film i liked it was she good yeah well she was good it was a weird part. That we see her as an elementary school teacher. She's too sweet. Yeah, and she's always, hi, mailman. She, oh, it's the milkman. And she's over-the-top sugary, 
but then she doesn't like the way somebody treated a friend of hers. She blows them away. Nope, man. Was this set in the 1950s? It had a 50s feel. Uh, it had a 50s feel. Yeah. All right. So I saw that. I watched a movie you didn't care for. The Others. Minority Report? <laughs> the Others. Remember with Nicole? Huh. Nicole no, okay. I really like this, this gothic um, supernatural horror flick. And I, I thought it was really a good movie. And speaking of The Others, I saw its companion piece. I watched yet again The Sixth Sense, ah. similar with their aha yeah, right. ending in 1999. And I want to say, I know we've mentioned this before, it's it's kind of a perfect movie. Because I watched it now with a different lens, with a different eye, thinking, all right, are they being faithful to this huge twist ending, which is really a cool ending? Mm-hmm. And they are. Mm-hmm. Every scene in that film works. It makes sense when you know what you know at the end. Mm-hmm. So I went back and watched it with that eye, and it's a very intelligent, well-made, and Bruce Willis was great in that film. Mm-hmm. And so was the kid, Oz, Haley, Joe Osman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really good. And we said this before that what the fuck happened to M. Night Shalahan? I mean, he had this brilliant first film and everything after that. It actually wasn't his first film. He'd made another film before really? that. Yeah. Did he? It was like a kid's movie or something. Mm. It was it was out of out of genre for what you'd expect. But okay. he did. let me I'll pull it up. All right, you do talking. that. But after that, all the other movies left so much to be desired. And speaking about Bruce Willis, my last movie is Die Hard Two. You watched that? I did again, and uh, 1990 with Bruce Willis, and it was it was fine. It did what it was did. I love that question we've asked be- once before about is it a Christmas movie, and. And then you have to set up your definition. Well, if it takes place during Christmas, both of them, by the way, Die Hard 1 right. and 2 were both. But I can't give it a Christmas movie label, even though it takes place during Christmas. You, Even though he says, you, Merry Christmas I know, at the I end. I know, I know. So it rips I, up the parking ticket? <laughs> that's right. Which is how it started off with that. that yeah. So those are the movies I saw. And the answer now that you so have. So there were two movies that M. Night he, made before. Prior? Really? Yeah. I didn't know the that. The first one was called Praying with Anger. An alienated Americanized teen, teenager of East Indian heritage is sent back to India where he discovers not only his roots, but a lot about himself. So this is like a drama uh, PG-13 kind of coming-of-age film. And then he made one in 1998 called Wide Awake. A 10-year-old boy goes on a search for God after his grandfather dies. And I think that's more of like a... It's with Rosie O'Donnell and Dennis wow. Leary. Wow. So it was like a kid's so That's not a comedy. typical M. Night film, is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So but he made both those... And he wrote that one, too. So he wrote Wide Awake. And I'm assuming... Yeah, he wrote the, wrote the first one, too, Praying With Anger. So he didn't... You, you can't even say that... that Sixth Sense is his first auteur film because he'd made, written and directed two movies before that. Well, there you go. Okay. But One with Rosie O'Donnell at the height of her powers. At the height of... <laughs> I mean, what little powers there were. But yeah. Dennis Leary, too. I mean, that's, yeah. what, 1998? I mean, Rosie O'Donnell was... Uh, I mean, she was probably... Th- I mean, she was a household name at that point. So it was Dennis kinda, Leary. Kind of, yeah. She was getting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was... League of her own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. A League of Rome was 92. Was it? Yeah. yeah. But again, six so Sixth after. Sense was just kind of a perfect movie. Yeah. And, it and it was, um, it, it all made sense. And there were no flaws about that. Um, yeah. Hey, let me go back and say one more thing about that movie, Miss Meadows. You know, and that was a Katie Holmes one. I love the subtitle to that, Miss Meadows, colon, Justice is Sweet. All right. Mm. I like Justice is Sweet. Yeah. That's what I saw this week all right well 
I think it's probably time for us to talk about bad education. And Robert, talk us through it. Bad education centers on the uh, the true story of a New Jersey. Let me make sure it's New Jersey. No, right? no, Long Island. Long Island. New York. School. Um Called Roslyn. Do you know if Roslyn was the name of the actual school? Yeah. Did you do some research on this? I did, and that was the actual name of the school. Okay. However, let me just say one thing. The school would not let them film at that school, at their school. I had a feeling that, I mean, it's, they had a shot that said Roslyn I know, I know. It, and it was and not, was going, that was not it. They wouldn't let okay. them do that. Because I, I was wondering about that. They had a bus that said Roslyn High School, and yeah. I'm going, did they give them no, permission? No, they didn't. That, they I can't wouldn't. imagine that they, they would. They were not cooperative. Yeah. I can't imagine that they would want, yeah, yeah. want that. Um, so this is kind of a, this is a, a dark comedy almost, mm-hmm. uh, that centers around a superintendent who has been embezzling money from the school district for years and years and years. And he has, he, along with a lot of the other school board members and, and faculty have been embezzling millions of dollars over the course of several years and, uh, has a whole secret life that nobody knows about, actually multiple secret lives that people don't know about. And, uh, and this is kind of like the the whole splitting of his world where everything kind of comes crashing down and slowly but surely his world starts to unravel. This movie reminds me a lot of Behind the Candelabra. Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure why exactly, but it's kind of a similar secret worlds kind of thing. And I mean, how, did, did, I, how do I explain this? Like it's trying to keep secrets, but those secrets start getting exposed and he's trying everything he can to keep those secrets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Something like that. What do you think? I what thought you were going to compare it to election, maybe, where the uh, students were actually smarter than faculty. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, sort of. I, I, I can see that, too. A little bit. I can see a lot of parallel there. All right. I'm going to go first, huh? Sure. I love this film. I loved it, too. I, oh. I well, loved it. All right. Good night, everyone. Mm-hmm. I really liked this movie a lot. Who was bad on this movie? I mean, I'm not saying oh, bad. Oh, I thought you meant the, Who char- did a about the character or the actors. Oh, no, I mean the acting. No one. No one. No one. And you know what, Robert? You know I'm not a fan of Ray Romano. You know, I've said that before. He's a one-note actor, mm-hmm. but I kind of liked him in this film. Yeah, I bought the character. I've seen that guy before. He and I wasn't it. overdoing he it. He wasn't overdoing it. Yeah. He could have made it cartoonish, and he didn't. I, I agree with you. I love this film. And I'm going to go out online here with a few things that I want to say. I think this is Hugh Jackman's best movie. I think, I've always enjoyed him a lot. Mm-hmm. But damn, was he good. He was great. He was really great. And um, Allison Jenny, I, I think she's wonderful. You know what? I just want to say, to our, our listeners, Google her. Look what she has done in the world of theater, a lot of stage work, television, you know, with West Wing, the movies she's done. She's like one of our most dependable, and I think she is a character actor, a character actor, not quite the lead, but as a character actor, man, she is so dependable and wonderful in Mm -hmm. everything she's in. I think she also, she does an excellent job, and this is a great example of it, where she hits home run after home run after home run, but doesn't steal the show. And that's really hard to do because yeah. usually if you're knocking it out of the park, everyone's talking about you. I mean, one could argue Kathy Bates stole the show in Misery, right? The, every, no one was talking about James Caan at the end of Misery. Everyone was talking about Kathy Bates. True. Now, she's also the female lead, and she kind of needed to in order to make that movie work. Right. It, it was about her, essentially. Right. right. But, I mean, if, if you're in James Caan's perspective – you're playing second fiddle to Kathy Bates now. 
And if you're not on board with that, that could be a real rough ride for you. You know, right. y- your ego is going to take a dip. And I don't think Alice Janey does that to other actors when she plays these really unique characters. Of course, I'm thinking uh, about I, Tanya. Oh, and I mean, an, an Oscar worthy and she won and, right a, a performance. But she didn't distract right. from the movie. Right. She didn't take away from the movie. She added to the movie. Yes. Yes. She was so wonderful in that film was the, the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved everything about this film. I, I let's let's get into break it down. The title we already alluded to at the beginning. We actually, we didn't allude. We came right out and said, you know, I want to tell you that this was based on. We know it's a true story. And are you aware that the guy who wrote the screenplay was a student at that school? No, you didn't know that. No, I didn't know. How that. about that? You're probably not surprised to hear that. No, in not a way surprised. that kind of makes sense. He was a student. He wasn't involved with any stuff, but he was a student at the school and um, and wrote this the screenplay. His original title was The Bad Superintendent. Hmm. And I kind of like that more yeah. than It's bad. still not there. It, it's not there, but it's closer. But I, I think it's closer. Um, I liked everything about this movie. I, I, I liked the, the cinematography was stylish, but not too much. Yeah. It wasn't distracting, yeah. but it was, it was quirky at times. Well, and cinematography in a school could be kind of difficult because it's such a boring institutional, yes. yeah. like, what are we looking at kind right. of thing. But I thought it was fluid. Yeah. The movie had a really cool flow to it. And and I thought the music was playful and whimsical. Mm-hmm. Later on in the film, there was one time where the music got a little bit annoying for me. It was where the music... Uh, uh, yes. Robert, do you remember you that? later on. It, wasn't, it was about in the middle. Halfway. Though. Yes. You remember that. And I thought, what is this? You know I was, what I did? I, was tech- I love you turn off this. I what was going the on there, Robert? It was... It was... A, it was uh, a, uh, and once the percussions came in, and then I realized, okay, this is a... I honestly thought it was a siren that was going on in the movie. Like, is there an alarm going off? Are they going to address that? I thought it was a siren going out in my home across the street. That, then I thought, like, No, I lowered the volume, here. and I thought, is there something going on outside? Yeah. It's so true. And that, that was a bad choice there. Yes. And it was just totally distracting. What was up with Those it? Those scenes where that happened, I did not focus on. I didn't... I couldn't. And so it, it was distracting. It, it was distracting. And the other, there's another logistical problem with the movie, which is that everybody seems to know the superintendent and love the superintendent. Ira, can you name any of the superintendents from any school that you've ever been to? No. Did you, at the time, know the superintendent's name? When I was a student? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> That's kind of my point, right? That's a really good point, because we saw scenes where the, he was high-fiving the students in the right. halls. They don't get out of their ivory towers. Mm-hmm. They tend not to mingle at the sites, at the school sites, do they? But even That's if he did, if the, the, this is kind of the point where they're saying like... They wouldn't know him or who he is. Right. He's like a suit. Yeah. And I didn't like that part. I agree. But I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, this beloved. guy yeah, was beloved. I mean, he the opening scene is him going out into a packed auditorium and everyone applauding him. Not for a superintendent. The students, you, you they don't, don't do applaud that. this. They'll, Even if it was a PTA organization, it's yeah. like a... Yeah, yeah. That's They'd, all it is. The students would applaud for uh, a teacher, absolutely. Maybe, but even happen. then, it's still kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that lazy clapping. Right. It's not like you're at a rock it show. It was too much. Yeah, yeah, we're at a rally. It seems like we're at a, a rally. I agree with you on those points. There's something else if we're going to talk about a few of the flaws. Robert, I love the fact that you noticed the music, that one mm-hmm. part where I did too. Well, how could you not? Yeah, I know. It was like a siren going off. God, like... But again, once the percussion came in and realized that it was part of the music, I went, okay, now I get it. But, but it, it, was, it was a good two minutes where I'm like, yes, what's happening? Yes, here? and I love the music up to that point. Yeah. I, I loved what I was hearing 
the music. Uh, there was also a thought, and one more scene that I felt was not true, and that is that at the end when he was arrested and the police were coming to take him away, they came down the street with their sirens blaring. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have sirens because yeah. they only use sirens when it was an emergency, and also it would make the bad guy run away. Right. But it was cinematic. Right. It was cinematic. So I thought that was a bit of a cheat. We're picking on the points that we didn't like. I loved this film. Yeah. I, I think one of the... I'd be really curious to know... Okay, there's a scene in the movie where <clears throat> there's a student reporter who is investigating... Um, she's asking about this new project that Walkway. they're going to... It's called the Skywalk. Skyway. Well, Something uh, that... Or Skyway, whatever. No. Skyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're building this basically like a giant bridge across their campus or something like that and at the cost of about eight million dollars and so she's writing as she calls a puff piece about it and Hugh Jackman's character basically says nothing is a puff piece you should get in there and really investigate and make a story out of it and it's like these words of encouragement I wonder if that conversation actually happened oh you're taking one of my point with a slightly different spin and I like that I thought that was the one moment also that was a bit formulaic because I knew, oh, this is obviously the kid journalist who's going to blow the whistle on everything. And I thought that was a little bit contrived the way they introduced her. And I knew they were going to butt heads really soon. Mm -hmm. So I was aware of that. But that's really interesting, too. You're asking. I think that that was a fabricated scene. It had to be be a fabricated scene. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. the, The problem with the way it was fabricated is it felt derivative of other films. And I know it sounds like we're shitting all over the movie. No, the I movie know. It was we're, great. We're, yeah, we, we're mentioning three or four things that didn't ring true for us. Right. But I love this film. Yeah. Was, hey, was this made for HBO? Did it play in theaters, Robert? Do you have to know? Well, it had a film festival release. It was released. It premiered at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival. So I think it was released onto HBO about a month ago. And so it's been, I think it got picked up. You know, after a, an initial would it have had a theatrical world. screening if it wasn't for the virus? Well, who knows? Probably right. not. I mean, because it, HBO acquires stuff and they typically just take it straight to HBO. But who knows with all this coronavirus stuff? Yeah, what would have happened? It was really solid, and I mean, everybody is acting really, really oh, well here. I have a thing. I've always enjoyed Allison Jenny a mm-hmm. lot. And, you know, look, even on the talk shows when she's in James Corden, she's such a joy. She's so funny and playful. And I just loved watching her and everything she does. So there was that scene in her kitchen with the blender. Yeah. Remember? I was so well, on board this movie. I think she also, she plays she characters does. a lot of times who, how do I say this, who are powerful but then are put into a position where they are powerless. Mm, mm-hmm. And she plays it quite well. Mm-hmm. And that's a reoccurring theme with a lot of her characters. And it makes for her characters to be more interesting. You know, when we see someone who commands respect and, like, you will do what I say, and then they're put in this uncomfortable position, that's drama. And I think Alison Janney makes that feel effortless yeah. a lot. Yeah. I love the way the story unfolded, and there were certainly surprises down the line. And when here's a, a spoiler alert. When we find out that our, our lead is gay. <gasps> he was? That scene, by the way, I'm stealing a money shot right now. I don't mean to go there so soon, but that was quite a revelation. Mm-hmm. And the way it was shot, I mean, it was a long, lingering kiss, and I didn't expect that. And you know what? He, Hugh Jackman's character, was becoming more and more gay as a story didn't you see that? Yes. I was picking up on subtleties and body like that. He was getting a little bit, a little bit.
little bit more feminine as the story was unfolding. And um, it was, it was, that reveal was really powerful. And I just bought it. I keep going back to Soderbergh. You know, I mentioned Behind the Candelabra, but also um, The Informant, where there's like a, just this tower of lies that winds up getting uh, slowly unraveled and people start figuring out what's going on and, and he can't escape these lies that just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the other things that comes to mind, and this movie does a, a brilliant job of, of executing, is something that Soderbergh has said time and time again, and I, I, I think about it a lot now when I watch films, which is like a good film, a good filmmaker knows when to release information. Yes. And this yes. movie paced out the information. They didn't just give you everything all in one fell swoop and, and constantly repeat it. And I think that's a, the real mark of the success for this film is the pace at which you receive what key pieces of information. A lesser film would have established that he was gay and hiding that way up front. Yes. That's not what they did. They, they let you buy into the mystique of this person right. and say, all right, this guy is um, – he's got this, this dead – uh, wife of thirty years who was, you know, beloved, and oh man, he must be suffering. He we can't get over her. In a frame. Right, yeah, yeah. and then we're like, oh wait a minute, he's he's got yeah, oh he's he okay, yeah. but he just doesn't want people to know about that part of his life. And okay, this still kind of makes sense. Oh wait a minute, he has two lovers. Uh, okay, wait a minute, what's going on? And by that point, the whole movie has started to kind of unravel. That's the word him. I have here in my notes. You look at my notes. A lot of the story unraveling it. We learn more and more about the character. I love the pacing of that. A lot. This was a really well-made movie. I want to put something... I want to say something else about this movie. Yeah. Now, I don't think that this movie quite gets there as much. But I'm going to put this in the same ballpark as The Founder. Because in The Founder, as we talked about before, it's one of the few movies that I can think of where we are rooting for the hero at the beginning and we hate him by the end. And this movie, I think we already know from the very beginning that we're with an anti-hero. We know... Okay, this guy, if things are too saccharine sweet and Look everything. Look at the opening shot. Right. Look at the opening what shot. What was the opening shot? Oh, we see nose hairs. He's in the student's bathroom at oh, the right, school. Oh, right, right. trimming up the and nose And it's that one, it's a long tracking shot. Yeah. And he goes out on stage and that's where he gets the thought. It was all done in one swooping shot. Right, which but says something it's, it's, a little things are too good. Bit, a little bit uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Things are too good. Checking and his hair. we know he's, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. Whereas the founder sets up Michael Keaton's character, Ray Kroc, as struggling and this like, I'm going to make it all happen and he's scrappy and he's the underdog and we're thinking, okay, he's going to he's gonna get to McDonald's, to the head of McDonald's. And so it's a little bit different there because I think we are truly rooting for Michael Keaton's character in The Founder. Whereas here we kind of know that we're with the bad guy from the beginning and it's definitely told from his point of view, right? It is. And you know what? I don't think it was really a biopic. It was more hmm. than that. It was also a commentary. Yeah. Yes, on other elements of our society. That's what I like. You're, you're, I think most films are. Mo or should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yes, that's a good comparison with the founder. I get that, those points. Um, what else do you think? This, this is, um, yeah, story, music, cinematography. In spite of those minor, well, except for the music, that one point, that was a major flaw. But other than that, I loved everything about this film, and I was blown away by all the actors. Everyone in this film. Right. No one had a false note in this movie. Money shots? I got to say, I don't think I have very many money shots. I think the only money shots I have are maybe him talking to the reporter in his office. But nothing really strikes me as being 
I'm going to remember this shot, but I, I'm going to, it's going to go down in my book as a, is a great film. You know what, what, what I think about what I would compare it to would be, um, what was that movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Meryl Streep? Um, doubt. Did you see doubt? I didn't see doubt. It's, it's, I, I got it. I'll let you borrow it. Yeah. It's, it, there's no real money shot in the movie. Uh, maybe, maybe there's one or two, I guess, but it's really, the movie just kicks ass. So and the whole movie's a money shot. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. kind of, like, I get the feeling, and, and I can, I'll be able, this movie stays with me. Yes. You know, we talked about how long yes. does it stick with you. Yes. Bad education is going to stay with me for a while, and I'll be able to replay it in my mind, the whole movie. So the whole movie is kind of a money shot. I know it's kind of a cop-out. No, I'm with you on that. There's no real moment that right. stands out to me more than others. There was another movie we did last week or two weeks ago where I didn't have any money shots because mm-hmm. it was so bad. There was nothing memorable. Do you remember? But this is the antithesis of that. You're making the argument. The whole film is just so damn good. Mm-hmm. It's your money shot. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. What about you? I have a few things that I did jot down. That opening tracking shot was revealing. Yeah. We were learning. I don't know exactly what we were learning, but we were learning something about that character. And again, I was impressed how it was all one tracking shot. I liked when the auditor came into his office to say, um, uh, you went first class $5,000 to go to that conference and um, one way, and you also brought somebody. So Mm -hmm. that was $20,000. I liked his reaction to that. Robert, there was something about uh, the kiss too. That was quite a scene. But I want to say that it's bookended with this nagging mother who brings the autistic. I think he's on the spectrum. Yes, yeah. he was at the beginning, and that pays off at the end, where she his his world is caving in on him. Everything is collapsing, and she's in the office in his room in his office to talk to him about some issue going on with her her darling son, and he gives a speech. You remember that speech. the race car speech? Yeah, accelerate. Yeah. That speech, first of all, it was, it was, it was, um, I'm going to have two parts of this. He was sociopathic in saying that, but there was truth to what he was saying. Boom. That's it. It was so, it was, it was nutty, but there was also a core fundamental, yeah, that were not appreciated. And we're the ones who did it. And we do this for your kid and we'll wipe the nose. We'll hold their hand. Do we ever get any thanks ever? There was, it was, it was desperate. Mm-hmm. It was spinning. It was desperate. It was brilliant and beautiful. Yeah, you're right. It was, that was a really great moment. I think the beauty of Hugh Jackman as a performer is that he knows where he's at. He knows where his character's at. Yes. He's definitely thought about when in the movie is this scene, if we're shooting out of sequence, and he knows how this is going to play out at the right time. Yes. That was quite a scene. Mm-hmm accelerate the kid couldn't say the word accelerate he was stuttering and he went as long but it was it was nutty he was spinning but there was a fundamental core truth to what he was saying right i just mm. is it anti-wave yeah let's talk about this how is it not well okay well, okay well there's some first, ways where it's of course not. there is okay we're doing which are we doing first the how is or is not which way you want to do yeah, it? whatever i know we usually do how it is it is all right you me yeah, go ahead i our lead mm-hmm He's an embezzler. Mm-hmm. He's a crook. He's yeah. no good. He's definitely an anti-hero. Yeah. That puts it firmly in the... Anyway. It, it cannot be less than five at this point. Oh, right? It just has to be over yeah, five. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and let's see, what else? He's gay. I don't know if that makes it any great story, but... I think so. It, the I fact think, that he was secretive. Yeah. Stealth about it. But also we're seeing a lot of it. I mean, they're showing the intimacy with him and multiple partners. You know, I don't think most Hollywood films would do that. Yeah. 
but I don't mean to run away with this one point, but let me articulate that. But the fact at the end that he does get caught, he does not get away with it, mm-hmm. makes it um, wave right. as a part. Kind of reels it back yes. a little bit. So those are some of my notes. Going I, I think so, down. too. I think, um, you know, if we consider Alice and Janie as, as being the second lead, she's just as much of an anti-wave character as he is. Um, and in fact, I guess, it, I mean, the, the snippet at the end said that she stole about twice as much yes, as he did. Yes, yes. How about that? I was surprised to see that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it is. I think the way that it's shot is a little bit more conventional. Would you agree with that? I would. It was a bit stylized at points. but It was, it was still, stylized. Yes. But it was still had a Hollywood look to it. Yeah. Were there three acts? I, I don't know if I would sure say acts. It almost feels like a. To me, flow. I think of it like a, a slide. Flow. Yeah, flow. Yeah, just kind of like it got, I guess, more and more and more, like ratcheted up. Mm-hmm. You know, rock you, going down the hill in the snow, building. Yeah, up, so that's the yeah. Nature. You talked before about like you you've spoken about blue jasmine being in spirals and it getting kind of crazier and crazier and crazier. The uh, the Woody Allen movie Blue Jasmine, and this has a similar kind of ratcheting and spiraling to it. And getting a little like weird, but I, I would say more of a slope than even a spiral, but like a, mm-hmm. a slide, so to speak. So I don't know if there are three distinct acts, but I guess it does have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this movie a seven. Oh, I thought you could say eight. A seven. I was hovering between a seven I and an eight. I knew you were. I knew you were. Yeah. 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 That last scene where the prison door is ajar mm-hmm. and he walks out. And he goes back to the school and he gets all the affirmation and validation. He was tripping. He was tripping. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't real. We know that. But I wonder, if he, was he becoming psychotic at the end? Was it just his own fantasy? Was he just so caught up in, in his, uh-huh. his ethos that he was just tripping? That's all he had left. Yeah. I liked it, by the way. So what, what anti-way scale would you give it? Yeah. I'm, well, I mentioned eight. Oh, I'm did a, you say it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm at eight. I'm hovering at eight. And you're at seven, seven yeah. and a half. So, so somewhere yeah. in between. Now, if we have the ending where they, he gets away with it and continues to, then, then we have 9.2. Yeah. I love this film, Robert. It was I really just, nice. I just really, man, it was good to see a, such a solid, well-crafted movie. Yeah. I think we've been, we've been craving this for a while. I feel that way. Like, when was the last time we both? Really? Yeah. We're, I mean, we've had like some a, good ones. We have, but. but it's, we've seen a few. Eh. Lately, but this one was nice. This is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, who died Ooh. this week? Ah, gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must the following people they done turned to dust. Monique McCure, an 89-year-old Canadian actress, but she was in Naked Lunch. Did you ever see that? I did. Burroughs. I don't remember anything about it. Well, he was but that I, weird. I remember co- you know, drugged out, and she was also in the Red Violin. Remember that movie? You remember that movie? Red Violin. Yes, the Red Violin. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where they with um? Not Anthony Michael Hall. What's his name? Robert Downey Jr.? No, no, no. That's the violinist. Yeah. Anyway, it was red. You want to know why it was red? Why? Blood. Uh, I just gave away. We'll talk about spoiler alert. Pilar Pelusser, 82-year-old Mexican actress. However, she did Day of the Evil Gun, which was an American Western with Glenn Ford. Mm. John Whitley, 75-year-old Scottish child actor. He was in movies like The Kidnappers, The Spanish Gardener, and so on. We lost Michelle Rosen. Ro- Michelle, Michelle was gone. <laughs> 
Rosignoy, 80-year-old Canadian actress. However, I want to say to you that we're not familiar with her, and we're not familiar with her movies so much. Maybe she, you aren't. Are you? No. Are you? No, okay. She was made Officer of the Order of Canada, and she was knighted as the National Order of Quebec. So she was important with our our neighbors to the north. Hoser. <laughs> Charles Lippincott, 80-year-old American publicist. Let's give kudos to the publicist. This guy did Star Ugh. Wars, Alien, Flash Gordon. Flash. Ah, he saved every one of us. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Queen. Queen did that. He's dead. Uh, Ken Nightingale, 92-year-old, your British sound engineer. Sound engineer. You know, for your eyes only, a view to a kill, octopussy. He died of COVID. I'm Listen, sorry, what was that? Yeah, I know, and that, that too is amazing. Do you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about in Goldfinger, pussy galore? Mm -hmm. And how the fuck can they say that? Today, I don't think they would do that. They couldn't do that. And then they followed it up years later with another Bond movie called Octopussy. What the hell? The way you're saying it sounds... Dirty? A little oh, dirtier. because of me and not the actual title? You're saying like Octopussy as opposed to like Octopussy. Oh, no. I know what to emphasize. Octopussy. Pussy! <laughs> Coroner's Corner Silver Spotlight Award. We're going to give it to Olivia de Havilland. She's dead. Olivia de Havilland? Yeah, she died. She died. Over 100 years old. Da, 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 da. That's gone with the wind, you know? Yeah. yeah oh, I, I can tell by, by yeah. your pitch perfect tonality. Uh, thank you. She went two Oscars, and, uh, and she had sex with Howard Hughes. Anyway, she's dead. Wow. I wonder if you made her wear um, Kleenexes on her on her. And, and she had to boxes. urinate. She had to urinate in the bottles. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Hey, you want to do some uh, top five? And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right. Top five this week is top five Hugh Jackman Jack movies. Now, I don't think we have to qualify or discuss our terms or our definitions. Right. Just movies Just Hugh movies. Jackman has seen. All right. So <laughs> That's good, Robert. <laughs> These are Hugh Jackman's yeah, movies. Yeah. So, Robert. Movies he has in his movie collection. That's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> Actually, that is funny. Um, uh, I want. I, I think we're going to do some overlapping. I do. I predict a little bit of overlapping. I think there'll be one. What I know, we are going to overlap on that one. One. Okay. But I'm I predicting one overlap. Yeah. 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 Okay. And it's yeah. my number two. Oh, and it's my number four. Ooh. Okay. Does we'll it star someone out. else who we like a lot? We'll also, find out. yeah, that means yes. That that means yes. But I think. Well, okay. So let's. Um, okay. Let's go. You go first. Me. Yep. I'm wondering how many. No, I, I said my number two. It's my number one. I'm sorry. Oh, my number one. It's your number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just wonder how many X-Men movies you're gonna have. Mm -hmm. I have none. Mm -hmm. I have none. Go ahead. Okay. My number five. It's a movie that was kind of silly, but he made it work. Real Steel. That's on my my scoops. It is. A, you know, it's 2011. It's a sci-fi sports movie. He was really good. Yeah, he was. And, you, and uh, it was a goofy premise. And it was also, I want to say it was based on a short story by Richard Matheson, right. who did wonderful science fiction. They made it into a, a Twilight Zone episode. It was also, also based on Rock'em Sock'em Robots, right? I mean, that's based on all that? the game. The, oh, you know, the, the robots. Rock, that oh, those things. Were, yeah. I know that game. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. So it was a silly premise, but damn. And it was, it was a good, solid movie in mm -hmm. large part to him. Yeah, it was. He was great in it. Yeah. My number five, five is a movie that I I know you haven't seen because most of America hasn't seen it. And those that have panned it and said it was awful. But it was just filled with like fart humor and just totally um, silly and stupid and gross. And I loved it. 2013, movie 43. What's up with that movie? <laughs> 
No, I've been hearing it, reading it. What is that? Well, movie? Everybody what in Hollywood that? was in this movie. Yeah, and it's like a it's a collection. It's like a Kentucky Fried movie, right? And you remember that movie, right? Sure, I do. And it was that same kind of premise, and everybody was in it, and it was just absurd. And there's no real storyline. It's just a connected, you know, vignettes. That's basically all it was. It's some guy that comes into a movie studio and is like, let me pitch you this movie. And then he like pitches all these like different movies and there's nothing really holding it all together. But I loved it. I thought it was funny. Why is it called movie 43? He, you know? he the guy is pitching this 43 movie. ideas. No. I think this is like his 43rd idea. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember. It doesn't make <laughs> sense, but it's funny. I laughed. I love it. What do you got? What's number four? My number four, I think, is going to be your number one, if we're mm-hmm. talking about the same one, Prisoners. Mm-hmm. Is that the one? Yeah. That's the yeah, one. That's yeah. the one. And you know how much I love that film, and you turned me on to it. Same director, of course, who did Arrival as well as Enemy. Uh-huh. And um, when I've spoken about the movie before, I would always talk about Jake, my boy, my boy, mm-hmm. thanks to Gyllenhaal. And I never really acknowledged... Um, our man Hugh Jackman, who sharp was also really good. Uh, what? Sharp listeners to this podcast will chart the yes. the growth of Ira's love of Jake Gyllenhaal. It's Gyllenhal. true. It's because true. on your very first episode, I never this... said hate. I never said hate, but I did say I don't really get him. I don't appreciate him. I don't understand why he's you famous. got riled. I remember it distinctly. You were like, I don't know what was What's going the on. Deal with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I don't understand him as an actor. I don't know why. Man, have I did a 180 on that? Yeah, yeah I really have. But um, we'd often, I'd always talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, and uh, it's a very good movie in large part also to Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. and uh, that is my number four, a cinematographer by the great Roger Deakins, of course. Mm-hmm. What a good movie that is. That's my number four. My number four is a movie that we reviewed on this podcast. 2017, we saw a Wolverine movie called Logan. Right. And, I mean, if you're doing a Hugh Jackman list, you don't have any... Wolverine movies on them, which I know you haven't seen very many of yeah. them. Only or Logan. Any, yeah. That's the only it, one I saw. He is Wolverine. Like he is he's so good in that role. And I felt like Logan was probably my favorite of all of them. Really? It may not be the best acting he's done in all of them because I think he was really good in the first one. Um but and he's good in all of them. And he's he's always uh, he's playing the same character every time, but I mean, there were, he's he did like ten of them or something like that. There were ten movies <sighs> that he appeared as that character. It was crazy. But Logan was the end of that character for him, and it was R-rated, and it finally got the kind of um, violence that it needed. I mean, it's a violent character, and he finally is kind of unleashed a little bit more, and I liked it. So, I, if I'm going to put in a um, a Wolverine that nod, it's going to be Logan. We saw that together. We did. He had claws, didn't he? I think he had claws. I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> What's your number three? It's a movie that got panned by the critics. I don't think you movie saw 43? it. Movie <laughs> 43? 20, I want to say the year. No, we're going to play the year game. Uh, but my number three, I like this movie a lot. The Greatest Showman. Oh, that was like 2013? No. No, no, 20, earlier 2017. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was, was I, it that? Yeah, it was a real recent. Wow. Yeah, I saw it like two, two and a half years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, the critics just hated it for some reason. I never saw it. I know you didn't. Yeah, yeah. And it was um, P.T. Barnum. It was a big musical movie. Yeah. It had a terrific cast. I thought he was really, really strong. I liked the music. I liked everything about the film. But the critics just 
panned it. I don't understand why. Anyway, that's my number three, The Greatest Showman. Well, another movie that was not really loved was a movie from 2006 directed by Darren Aronofsky. And if you remember Darren Aronofsky, he directed your favorite movie of all time, Mother! Mother! Uh, He directed a movie in 2006 called The Fountain. And it's really interesting, and it's this like love story between these two, um, between Hugh Jackman and his wife, and it's like three different timelines. My favorite timeline is the one set in the future where she has like regrown into this l- lemon tree, and he's floating in space, like on this island in space. It's really weird and trippy, and it's very anti-wave, where he's kind of mirroring some of the emotions that he's had for her in previous generations but this is set so far in the future and it's now he's like in love with this tree it's really weird uh but it's it's really cool and does a great performance i mean basically acting against a tree for you know a third of the film fountain the fountain not to be confused with fountainhead no why would you confuse those are two totally well they both different. have the word the fountain in both those titles yeah, one has head and the other has the i wasn't trying to make a sexual reference about okay. head were you <laughs> maybe, maybe i was <laughs> All right, what's your number two? All right, my number two, it's a musical. The Greatest Showman. Was was Australia a musical? I never saw it, and I don't know. I'm not oh. sure. Was he in Australia? I think he was. Was he? Les Miserables. Yeah, of course, you, I should have known that. You didn't like... Mm-mm. Did you see it? I saw I saw most of it. I liked most of it? You yeah. stopped, you walked out? No, I didn't see it in the theater. Okay, oh, I saw bits right. and pieces of it here and there. Can you do the ear? Can you do the ear? <laughs> 2014. 2012. 2012. Jean Valdez. Val, Val, what's his name? Jean. 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 But he did the King's Speech also, so uh-huh. he done good stuff too. I th- I love the musical, I do, and I love the music, and I thought he was just magnificent in this film, uh, Les Miserables. That's my number two. Yeah. All right. Can you see? My number two is I really toggle between first and second place with this one, and I, so much so that even before I thought that I had given this first place, and I looked down at my list and said, "Oh no, I decided to give Prisoners number one." Which, you know, spoiler alert: you already know I've got Prisoners as my number one. But my number two film is a fantastic film from 2006, and I will watch it whenever it's on and continue watching it through. Hugh Jackman along with Michael Caine um, and uh, Christian Bale and the late, great David Bowie in the movie The Prestige. Have you seen The Prestige? I, we talk, I always got that mixed up with the other movie. The Illusionist. I, get th- I can't tell part of my Norton. brain. I can't. I yeah. can't separate them. Nobody can. I, the rest of my life, I will not be able to separate those mm-hmm. two movies. The Prestige is great. Okay. And it's, it's a, an incredible film. It's, it's really, really well done. Watching it's it's kind of one of those films we were talking about uh, the sixth sense earlier. Repeat viewings really help that movie, and you watch it and you go, "Oh my gosh, I'm seeing a whole other side of this movie now." And it 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 really man, as soon as it's it's done, you want to watch it all over again. Great film, The Prestige. All right, what you got? What's your number one? Yeah, I don't know if you figured it out. This- Bad teacher. Or yeah. bad education. Yes. Ba- what is it? Bad education. Bad education. Bad education. Yeah, See, I had a feeling edu- you might. I put might that do down that. as my number one. By the way, what's the year, Robert? <laughs> 2019. <laughs> yes, it is 2019. Um, 
for all the reasons we've said in this podcast, I thought he was brilliant in this film. Yeah. And uh, I put that down as my number one favorite of all time. Huge well, my number one favorite is Prisoners. Right. Um, and I will tell you, Bad Education was, I was close to putting it in my You're... top five as well. This is a great film. And yeah. Hugh Jackman is unstoppable in it. So I applaud you for putting that in your top five. Um, I think Prisoners just like, when I was watching it, I was on edge. I could not take my eyeballs off of it and was like, this movie, I did not know where it was going to go. It kept zigging and zagging and I was like, I'm on a ride right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that one scene at night. Oh, getting the, the wounded kid to the hospital at night on the freeway. Mm-hmm. The point of view was behind the windshield. Mm-hmm. Just the way it was shot. Everything about that movie is Every, just everything really well is. put together. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the last scene, Robert? The whistle. <laughs> what I will Spoiler say alert. is there two other films I have some scoops. Do you have any scoops? I don't have scoops. The movie Chappie was really good. Tell me about similar to Real Steel. This is like a uh, um, you know futuristic like robot movie where they build a rope. But this is with the uh, what's the duo from South Africa? But they anyway, it's it's a kind of sci-fi comedy action, almost like Short Circuit. If you Mm -hmm. remember that movie, I like similar to that. Yeah, there's another really great movie that's based on a true story called Eddie the Eagle. Did you ever hear about heard this? of it? It's um, it's a sports movie, so that's probably oh, why you've never sports. seen. Yeah, there you go. Almost as much as I hate movies, <laughs> but it's a true story about a, a guy from the UK who wants to go to the Olympics, and he finds out he like goes to the Olympic board. He's like, I want to do something. I want to go to the Olympics somehow, and they're like, Well, we don't have any. You know, all of our spots are taken for all these events. He's like, Well, what event doesn't have anybody from the UK trying to do it? And they said downhill skiing, like the you know ski jumps. And so he learns how to ski jump so he can go to the Olympics. And that's his big goal is to try to qualify to go to the Olympics. He wants to be an Olympian. And Hugh Jackman is like the grizzled, you know, drunkard trainer who comes out of retirement to train this guy. And a comedy ensues. It's cool runnings, but with Yeah, I was going to say. Skiing. Cool yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really good. Yeah. It's a great little film. Done with heart. Great little film. Done with heart. Yeah. Kind of like you. Kind of like, kind of like you. Kind of like Real Steel also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like us. Yeah. Kind of like all our listeners. Yeah. If our listeners have some Hugh Jackman movies what that we didn't they mention, do? they what can they do reach about that? out to us through email. Oh, wow. What's well, our story? email is yeah. robert at antiwavepodcast.com. Oh. Or. And slash or ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Or they can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Just like uh, just our, like our finances. Uh, you know, or, teachers, or the superintendent's fine. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Go to Spotify. Go to our website. Let's throw a few bucks over to Patreon. Help keep the sprocket holes moving. Ira, next we week, yes, we're going to watch a movie called The Perfection. That's right. The Perfection. Now, it should be noted, we didn't even mention this podcast, but we actually called what movie we were going to see this week. We said we were going to watch Sometimes oh, Always we Never. We should have mentioned this at Triple the beginning. Words, and we didn't. Because it's not streaming it's not streaming yet we thought that it was and it wasn't yeah, so yeah. obviously we so had we had to make a, an audible and we had to uh, apologies to our listeners yeah all the listeners who went out to watch the film bought the dvd <laughs> and they're yeah. saying what the fuck <laughs> we'll watch it later when it comes out <laughs> yeah. uh but the perfection is streaming yes on it's netflix, on netflix right. so we actually checked this time Good. and uh so we'll be able to watch the perfection and we'll be doing that next week cool what do you want to do now Let's, let's just hang out with me. Let's give producer Joey a round of applause. But just you're for... ignoring me. But yeah, okay. Uh, uh, what? Yeah, I am ignoring you. Yeah, you want yeah. to like 
go to a movie or yeah okay. yeah let's go let's, let's go, go see a movie let's go bowling let's go to AMC let's, let's go catch a movie yeah. alright well until we go watch that movie until next time keep watching movies and we'll help you sort them out Hugh Jackman